I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prayer. I just like the sound. Podcast like it's 1989. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1989. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1989. Baby fish mouth. Baby fish mouth. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1989, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1989 from a warp zone here sure. in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And, and I'm Tom Mason. With us today, chiming in, chiming in like a, like a regular Bowser is Tom Muskin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Just, just Koopa trooping his way into our podcast. Uh, oh. Tom, you are our first UP guest on the 1989 uh, Patreon, which is because uh, you bring... No one else was available. No, kidding. It's because no. you bring the subscribers. They're available. You bring, they just you bring, bring the, the money. You bring the fans. <laughs> but, but I would also say, too, um, this movie, which I've spoken to a couple people about over the past couple days, every time I say The Wizard, they're like, what's that? And then when I tell them what it is, they're like, oh, my God, I loved that movie as a kid. Like, no one makes the association between the title, weird title. and what it's about. Weirdly, several people have asked me if that's the one with Fred Savage and the Big Blue Monster, which came out in the same year, didn't it? Little yeah, little monsters, little monsters. Yeah. Oh, little monsters! Awesome. Excellent movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know why yeah, they thought that the wizard was. <laughs> it's a more appropriate title for little monsters. The wizard's a very bad title um, it is. because because uh, one thing I, I I don't think about with Nintendo Nintendo lore and Mario mm-hmm. lore is is a wizard. Correct. Uh, on top of that, you get lost with the Wiz, which is a pretty big title about uh, a group a group of friends on a road to nowhere. Or so, the Wizard of Oz. 
which also what? doesn't help too. I mean, I know that they're the same thing. I'm just, I, 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 it just feels like this movie, he's referred to, and by he, I mean, Jimmy is referred to once as a wizard, I think, as at a one wizard. point. A, a few times, a times. By, Lu- by Lucas, one of the great villains in film history. But <laughs> I don't care that it's a bad title. It's a good film. Tom, why are It really we- makes you think of the, uh, Phil and I were texting <laughs> when we were watching it. <laughs> and uh, um, we'd, we'd compared it to Tommy. And oh, it is like Tommy. The, it is the like pinball Tommy. wizard. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. That's yep. a good point. I mean, I don't know that's if that was point. intentional, but uh, if it was, it's stupid. And if it wasn't, that's also stupid. <laughs> well, maybe that, I don't know, maybe, maybe that was kind of a term, um, a, a, a video game term that was on its way out in the late yeah. 80s. That feels right. Because yeah. I did not know this, and I, I saw this movie in theaters and uh, was, you know, th- this was this is the first movie I can remember demanding my dad take take me to. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, so, yeah. So, Tom, you saw this as a kid as well, right? I mean, if I remember yeah. correctly, when we t- when we were talking about you coming on for this movie, you talked about how, like, we both felt the same way, which is I don't remember anything about it other than loving it, really. Yeah. Like, I remember the Power Glove, which is a big fucking deal as a kid. And I remember yeah. the, the beginning of my crush on Jenny Lewis. But short of that, I couldn't tell you anything about this film, really. I, now, funnily enough, I only remember those two things. Yeah. And dinosaurs at the end. I have no recollection of anything, <laughs> why there were dinosaurs at the end. But yeah. anytime I, I see dinosaurs, I think, oh, there was a film. With and that. I don't remember dinosaurs at the end at all, to the point where it came to me as, as a complete surprise at the end. Uh, whenever dinosaurs are referenced, I think of Pee Wee and not this movie. Sure, whenever the sure. dinosaurs in the desert are referenced, I do, however, maybe this speaks to you know my addictive personality, strongly remember Reno and always associate the biggest little city in the world with this movie. That's fantastic. Um, and, I, uh, and, and, I, and I remember Jenny Lewis uh, uh, and, and Jenny Lewis taking into Reno and her being like a Reno kid. And I thought that was, uh, that was great and um, unusual. Inappropriate and this, great. I think this movie is fucking wild uh, <laughs> yes. for, for so many reasons. But the most wild thing about it yeah. is that is that proper English thespian Tom Meissen demanded we do it. Yes. So what is going on, Tom? When yeah. when because I as much as I love The Wizard, The Wizard kind of falls there there are a bunch of movies in 1989 that were made only for me for whatever reason. The <laughs> Wizard was made only for me. The Holds Bar League was, was made only for you. Field of Dreams was made only for Dreams. But those are big movies, but like also like real long tail shit like Kickboxers made only for me. Sure. You no know, holds so barred. the holes barred, as I said. Um, so, but those are movies we weren't going to cover because those, I, you know, those are yeah. crappy Kenny movies. But when you said you were into it, I was thrilled. So, what's going I on? I would have expected. I would have expected everyone to cover this to do yeah. to do this. Mainly because of what we just said. It's a film that everyone remembers, but no one remembers why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 a better programmer than us. We Why are you we're too high minded for this shit, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't we we weren't. I should I have mean, done Beau Travail on your nineteen ninety nine, shouldn't I? Listen, we're I mean, one of these days oh, no, we're gonna get you're to coming it. Back. But, yeah, you're coming back to that. But I but I'll say this. I do think that um this is one of those films because Kenny and I started with like a pretty tight like twenty-five 
of the best movies of, of 89. And then when we started to really get into it and started to have a lot of fun with 89, we expanded the list a little bit. It started to grow. And The Wizard is part of that expansion a little bit. But I would also say that it's definitely for a certain generation, right? It feels like a, a real kind of moment movie. I mean, it feels like, and, and again, I'm not a video game person, just to be above board. I've said this on the podcast before, but this movie is Nintendo in my brain. Like this movie is, is sort of when I felt like I was activated on Nintendo. I don't know if that's how you guys felt. It was the opposite. I watched it in... Uh, 91. Sure, sure. Maybe, because it came yeah. out in the UK in 90. I didn't, I know I didn't see it in the cinema. Yeah. I remember watching it. Yes. In 91 on VHS. And it was around the time that, you know, I had a babysitter who was a little bit like uh, an older Jenny Lewis. And, nice. you know, she was introducing me at uh, 11 years old to, or however old I was, nine years old, to mm. Nirvana and the Pixies, and she dressed like a cool Jenny Lewis, and we played Nintendo together when she sure. came around, and it was sure. my first love. And right. uh, so then this, this film came real... out, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Sure. Simply because I got to see Mario Three. Well, this is now. This, I if, would... if you yeah. if you'd have asked like fifteen year old Tom. Yep. What was that film you watched a few years ago? I would have remembered nothing other than Mario. Something about it, about those three things, Jenny Lewis, uh, the uh, dinosaurs, and yep. the power glove, yep. stuck in the back, stayed dormant in the back of my head for yep. 30 years. Yep. And it's almost as if the film was made <laughs> for now. It was made for its audience in 30 years' time. Oh, sure, sure. Because sure. there's so much about it that it's not a kid's film. No. It, in any way. There are a few bits that are d ridiculous that we'll get onto later, like the chase yeah. through the uh, Universal Studios tour and yeah, like that. Awesome, but awesome. For the, for the bulk of it, it's not a kid's film. Nope. So all of that clearly went over my head, but there was enough of it to stick in my well, brain. What's interesting is that there's a universal executive somewhere who's thrilled to hear what you're saying, right? Which is that like he planted these fucking stakes deep in your brain on because this movie does feel like a commercial for a lot of things, right? So, yeah, please go, Kenny. Well, no, I think that that was one of the strangest things to me because I, I, yeah. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about this film too, mm -hmm. and I call it a film, you know, with all reference. Um, uh, I want to get to my thing real quick with this movie before we talk mm -hmm. about that. My thing is um, I was a Nintendo kid. I was obsessed with Nintendo. Anytime uh, I knew exactly what it cost, it cost $100 for a Nintendo Entertainment System. Anytime anyone had $100 or I heard about $100, I thought one Nintendo, $200, <laughs> Nintendo. Um, That's incredible. The only gift I ever wanted was a Nintendo. I got a Nintendo for, for like my sixth or seventh birthday. And the picture of me opening the Nintendo is still like the picture of my of childhood happiness for me. So the, that the, 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 the feelings that most people have for Christmas, I have for yeah. a Nintendo. I'm with right? you. I'm with it you. Is that, yes, it is that warm kind of feeling of, of happiness and joy and and. Capitalism. possibilities and yeah. exciting <clears throat> capital yes capitalism like sinking its teeth into me 
so um, <laughs> so so it, so they come out with the Nintendo movie. Of course, I'm going to be there. Yeah. Um, my dad took me to see this when I was seven. But again, this is one of the tamer movies I think I saw in theaters when I was seven. Uh, I do. I remember some other things about this. This 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 it's sticking to my head a little more than I think uh, that I realized. Like, I remember Bo Bridges was, was in it. Okay. Bo Bridges for and I didn't remember Christian Slater was. In I it. didn't either. But yeah, Bo Bridges, this is one of the performances I remember from it. And what you again, say, who are you casting for when you cast Christian Slater in this film? Like it's a year or two after Heather's. It's He's the same on. years. Same year as Heather's. It's the same year as Heather's. Yeah, same year as Heather's. It's well, it, it speaks to <laughs> to me. It speaks to that this movie had aspirations beyond the movie about Nintendo. Yes, yes. That and the Bo Bridges casting, like mm-hmm. you, because this was same year as Fabulous Baker Boys as well. Th- those are mm-hmm. real actors to some extent, and Fred mm. Savage, by the way, like yep. Fred Savage is the hottest child actor in the country. So okay. they got shooting the one year at a time. My notes: there are about four different times where I've just written Fred Savage is amazing. Oh, it's really good. The weirdest yeah. thing about Fred Savage is how can a how can a person at thirteen year old thirteen years old have all the charisma in the world, and at forty five year old have the the amount of charisma none. of like a fucking stick? It's yeah, nothing. Is he, not, nothing. Yeah. Is he the, the the charisma Benjamin Button? Yes, yes. <laughs> he's yes. in. Um, oh, he's regressing. He was, yeah. he was in the show, uh, the Netflix show. Um, Friends, oh yeah, Friends with something. Friends from college. Yeah, yeah. Friends from college, and he was Billy Eichner's husband. And uh, the you know talk about a guy who has all the charisma in the world. Like it's it was it was painful yeah. to watch those two together. Sure. It was like watching. It was like watching Mike Tyson. Pummel a guy because Billy Eichner is just a charisma machine, <laughs> and Fred and Fred Savage is like embarrassed to be up there. Okay, so okay. point being, yes. I was surprised by how little this was a this was a uh, yeah. a a commercial for Nintendo. I always assumed yeah. it was one giant commercial for Nintendo, but it, but the the entire Bo Bridges Christian Slater storyline, with the exception of like legitimizing Nintendo in the eyes of parents, which I think was really kind of. Sad genius to, yes. have Bo, to have Bo Bridges get obsessed with yes. the system. Yes. Like, that's not a Nintendo story. And they're like massive swaths of this movie, mm-hmm. half hour swaths <laughs> where there is no mm-hmm. Nintendo, there is no video games in it. So, uh, and they only really showcase like five games. Um, it really is just as Phil texted me, and I said it in my notes as well. It's it's Kid Rain Man. <laughs> it's kid what was the what was the pitch at universal where they sent <laughs> i just gave a brief it. the brief Rain Man, but want, for kids <laughs> they want to that- come for nintendo and then this guy comes in and says all right you want your nintendo commercial we've got a kid with ptsd because he watched his twin sister or drown. autism probably no, or autism. Autism. yeah well i think yeah. it's PTSD. And, and and everyone at universal went mm, we're listening <laughs> yeah i know Carry on. <laughs> I know. Tell As us more. Watched, Can I also? By the way, by the way, yeah. he's he's nine and he's mm-hmm. a twin. As someone who watched this with my nine-year-old oh, boy-girl twins, oh, that wasn't the best moment. <laughs> oh, like, it was so because they loved this movie. They were so sure, into sure. it. Sure. Did they? Did that they? They. My my son, who like thinks he's the toughest guy in the world, welled up. Yeah. And my daughter talked about it for the next two days. So, but when... What are they like with Yeah, what games? are they like with games? Yeah. I mean, do they play video games? My, my son is obsessed. My daughter mm. is 
also pretty into it. But my so my son plays Fortnite whenever he is allowed to, or whenever he can. He can. Uh, okay. Whenever we're not looking, he is on Fortnite. My okay, daughter. In terms plays- of um, of, uh, I don't want to say retro because it's something that I used to play. Uh, but retro games. So because I, this is a film that has, like you said, huge swathes where it's nothing to do with games. And then the games that you do see are, you know, Mega Man. So I've done that. I I, I got them that, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, they had the Amazon was carrying the yep. 30 games in one NES yep. thing. Mm-hmm. So, I, I bought one and, uh, and the Super Nintendo one. Yeah, and as so did I. And it felt like that was it felt like that was the kind of thing you can get your kids and not feel terrible about yourself. Yep. yep. Um, like I do now that he has a gaming computer. Uh, but yeah, so they're they're very much up on old games mm-hmm. and old gaming characters. This this didn't feel like a billion years ago. You know, they, I think they call them class. I think they refer to these games as classic now yep. yep and there is a little bit of um like dickens well <laughs> maybe <laughs> I mean, i'm trying to think of i'm trying to think of, of an actual reference but uh <laughs> you know like the way yes. yeah. uh, the way we might look at movies from 1989 right now you right, know they right. like something yep. along those lines. yep but yeah they um so they they were a little primed to like this game uh both in terms of both in terms of content narrative and tone i i was fascinated by this film almost from the moment it started this moment th- this this movie starts with with a child in a lunch pail just walking in the desert alone and you're just like what is this movie i think that's what i texted you phil like after the first long shot this movie has this movie's better than it has any right to be like what um i i really i'm just gonna give a synopsis real quick and let's just get into it but basically after his little brother jimmy is put in a mental institution i'm sorry Corey, played by fred savage breaks him out and the pair run off together to california on their travels Corey meets a girl named Haley, played by jenny lewis and discovers that jimmy is a master of playing video games with talents like this he could easily win the top prize of fifty thousand dollars at video armageddon while the three travelers hitchhike to the competition the boys hire a bounty hunter. the boys parents hire a bounty hunter to track him down i mean if that's not a synopsis I don't know what is. I mean, it's incredible. Perfect. (laughs) So this movie was written by David Chisholm, directed by Todd Holland, who would go on to do a shit ton of television. Malcolm Middle, The Office, Thirty Rock. He's a huge comedy. Really, um, he's director. Great. Uh, The Wizard opened on December fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine, in fifth place behind National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, War of the Roses, Back to the Future Part Two, and The Little Mermaid. Uh, It would go on to make fourteen point three million dollars on a six million dollar budget. It's a cult classic now, though. They did a whole Alamo Draft House with the cast and director and everybody a, a few years ago. The Wizard has 29% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 60% from audiences. So you can really see who this movie was made for. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit of Ebert's review. One Fuck star him. review. <laughs> he gave it one star. The wow, Wizard is no. one of those movies that provokes the hey, wait a minute syndrome. You know, the kind where you keep saying, hey, wait a minute. Do you mean to say a trucker wouldn't even stop <laughs> to say he saw two little kids coasting down an interstate highway on a skateboard? Or wait wow. a minute, do businessmen on their lunch hours really gamble on video games? With You're asking kids? the wrong questions. I agree. I, shit. I agree. I agree. Um, he says, I know, I know The Wizard is only a silly Christmas kitty movie and we aren't supposed to ask questions like that, but we must. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why we must. Um, and, but anyway, in an age when 
and child abduction is the subject of half of the TV docudramas and all the milk cartons uh, around the country. How are we supposed to blind ourselves to the central fact of this movie, which is that a 13-year-old boy and his nine-year-old brother accompanied part of the way by a 13-year-old girl managed to watch Hitchhike, hitchhike and con themselves all the way to Utah from, uh, for the National Video Game Championships in LA. I mean, I, I think that he's being glib and, and a little bit unfair to a movie that's, I mean, not really trying to be... Well, I'll you know. say one thing. I'll say one thing. Yeah, please, I, please. I, I, this movie in 1989 was, in the eyes of our parents and our parents' generation, which yeah. Ebert is a member, uh, was a sign of the apocalypse. So <laughs> um, I, they, they were all pre-kind of programmed to hate it because it was a Nintendo movie. Just like I would be pre-programmed to hate a Fortnite movie, which sure. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't conceive of liking a Fortnite movie. It's destroying my family. The emoji so, movie, the um, yeah, which yeah. by the way is so much better. Not that the emoji movie is good, but I've obviously watched it three times with my children, and the emoji movie is not the worst movie ever made. The way people describe it, it's not good. <laughs> Phil, Phil, interesting, interesting. Well, he's interesting. Phil's always. I mean, I'm interested because I've never seen the Emoji movie. I don't know. Maybe it is good. But I think Tommy will make a point. It's not good, but it's okay. not it's not good. But right. it, people talk about it like it's the worst right. movie ever made. But if you actually read the reviews, it's the same as these reviews, which is essentially mm-hmm. like, how can you make a movie about these things that are destroying our society? All right. Well, in 30 years, something else will be destroying our society and emojis will be cute. And right now, <laughs> yes. I think yes. that I think that the Nintendo aspects of it are quaint and charming and yes, not even and, and and relatively organic. Like they do a pretty good job of folding them into the narrative of the movie in a way that feels pretty organic. I mean, shoehorned into well, the, into the, into, into the, the bridges the, part, but yeah. <laughs> and into the garage when they go to get, get their truck sorted. And yeah. It's, just, it's, it's not, it's not, it brings yeah. out you, the NES. But, you know, you Hitchcock have to... talks about the plausibilists and there are plausibilists in the audience that you just have to ignore because plausibility sure, yeah. is dull and dullness is the enemy of storytelling. And I, I think, agree. you know what? Hitchcock would have loved this film. <laughs> I don't know about that, but okay. Phil, well, Hitchcock would have loved this film. I think, I think anybody, anybody who loves cinema would love a movie where two 60-year-old businessmen gamble with a nine-year-old on video games <laughs> in a bar. Like, that's good. I love <laughs> that. It's a, See, this is the thing. That's Terry Gilliam-esque. I, I don't know how I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you do. Wait, Tom, what were we going to say? Here's the thing. Well, there are all of these moments where they go for complete truth and they want, especially around the family and they want real honesty. Yep. And then... There are so many different films in this one film. And then you get moments of complete absurdism. It's absurd that there are two yeah. businessmen standing in an arcade with a Tom Petty uh, poster oh, up against the side of the arcade machine playing computer games, and then they hustle with a kid. <clears throat> it's absurd, and yeah. I'm fine with that. You know, I think a lot of very serious films could do with a little bit of that absurdism. I, I fully agree. And I would also say, too, that, like, you know, we've talked about this a ton, Kenny, in terms of intent. And, you know, a movie makes itself clear as to what it is in the first, you know, five to ten minutes. And you're either along for the ride or you aren't, right? This movie presupposes that children 
can do things that they can't do. <laughs> like they can't just like basically t- uh, uh, Fred Savage and Jenny Lewis are essentially written like they're in their twenties or thirties for all that. intents Love and purposes. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yet you're just watching it being like, yeah, all right. I mean, Jenny Lewis is from Reno. She knows how to con people out of money. Sure. But, but I she, knows say, truckers. she knows she truckers. Knows they have a code. And then she can weaponize go, them at any moment. Exactly. They they sleep in uh, a cave. They sleep in a scrapyard. Scrap they sleep yard. in an old yeah. uh, drive-in cinema. They do all of this. But then... The only two times you see uh, what Fred Savage has in his backpack, the first time it's a skeleton mask, <laughs> Halloween spider, oh, and I love that. Bolt, and the second time it's um, fake glasses with a nose and moustache. Yeah. Can we? I, can I, I, just, I you, would say, you, I want to say. Brought, oh, you brought they, up the they, Halloween mask, and I just need to say the Halloween mask moment when he puts it on and she punches him and punches knocks him it. out. Just knocks him straight out. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was so cool. That was who that character is. I don't get scared. He puts on this mask and she punches him. She's dope. I want to say, all right, to your point, to your point, Phil, this movie, um, this movie falls squarely into a genre. We talk about a lot of genres that or a lot of kinds of films that never come back that they made in the 80s or they made in the 90s that we don't make anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's usually like they never make a movie like this, or they don't make this genre anymore. And the genre is screen drafts, um, our brother podcast. <laughs> uh, we're having Ryan on tomorrow. Screen drafted yeah. an entire podcast about kid venture movies. And let me read to you the movies that are on the kid venture list Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Goonies, The Monster Squad, Stand By Me, E.T., Harry Potter, give me a break, and uh, I Declare War. Which I've never heard of. But those first five movies are just like what you're talking about, Phil. They are movies yeah. that presuppose yeah. that kids are smarter than adults think they are, that kids are able to create their own adventures, that kids are capable in times of crisis, yeah. in times, and, and kids stick together better than adults. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is really like exciting and empowering. And I love that as a kid to like, you know, we're making. We're making small points. I don't think we're be, being sarcastic at all about the about some of the absurdities. Yeah. This is an absurd premise, but sure. it's absurd for uh, it's it's absurd for power for for good reason. It's absurd for good. It's it's absurd for good. Uh, like it's using its powers for good is what I'm getting. Sure, at. Mm-hmm. sure, sure, sure. Good thing to show kids this empowered, this intelligent, Makes this sense. much more pure than than adults. It's freeing. I love that about this film. Like, Can I just say, though, I think that I, the, yeah. the I just want to say, the Nintendo film could have been anything. The Nintendo film could have been, by the way, one of the worst movies ever made, the Bob Hoskins Super Mario Brothers, which was like the other Nintendo film. But like, this is like a really, really strong advertising advertisement for Nintendo as an accoutrement to childhood and not as your entire childhood. I think that's I agree cool. with that. I, I think yeah. it's also, a, it's, it's weird, but like I just happened to be rewatching Thelma and Louise because it's a th- it was its thirtieth anniversary the other yeah. day, which is again Seven another. Well, I mean, it's a road trip movie, and it, it's it, obviously they're very different in, in in tone. But there's, I I love a good road trip movie. I love a movie where you know where you're on the road, and 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 as you said, sort of the adventure of it all, but also just sort of kind of embracing the beauty of American ge- American geography. This idea of just sort of. Um, 
I don't know, finding yourself along the way. I think that's a, I think that's a really nice notion. And I think that having kids do that is really nice. I think that's a really interesting idea. You could never make this movie today for all the reasons that we're talking about in terms of fucking Roger Ebert's jaded review and people being like, you can't just have kids doing this sort of stuff. But I love that this movie got made because of it. Um, I, I want to just very quickly, uh, I, I found something online that I love, which is there are literal translations of this title in foreign countries <laughs> that are phenomenal. In Germany, this film was known as Joystick Heroes. In Italy and Brazil, it was The Wizard it's of like Video Games. Film. It does sound like porn. <laughs> <laughs> the Wizard um, of Video Games. Come on, guys. Uh, in Spain, it was the champion of video games. In Sweden, it was Game Boy. Finland, it was just called Game Over, which is kind of <laughs> dark. So yeah. dark. That's so Finland. Yeah. In, uh, in Quebec, it was so called Finland. The Child Genius. And in Japan, it was called Sweet Road. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just another movie in Japan. It's just another yeah, movie about video games. <laughs> oh, it's 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 the road movie about video games. Like, okay. but like, I mean, yeah, it's just insane that Japan of all countries didn't jump on the video game component. I find interesting. Um, I also think it's great that after several rejections, the producers got permission to shoot in Reno when <laughs> when they let a state official's kid meet Fred Savage. So Fred Savage <laughs> star power got them the right to shoot in a Reno casino. I just think it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, that's uh, yeah. Um, I so you mentioned this kind of Kenny. You were circling this earlier, and I agree that like you can't get stuck on the on the nonsense plot holes or 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 you know um, suspensive disbelief stuff. You got to be like, I think that this movie has the best of intentions. I think this movie is is a is a is a kind movie about kids. Um, it's about a brother protecting his brother from a mental institution that he doesn't it shouldn't be in um i mean i i don't know what this movie's mental health thesis is necessarily um just in terms of i but, what let, but that's let's that's, ignore that's, it. that's that's one of the reasons i uh said that he suffers from ptsd because sure, sure. they clearly try and skirt around the specifics of you know learning disabilities and i think yeah i'm i'm in two minds about it on the one hand, sure, this, that's not the story you want to tell. So don't, don't occupy yourself with that where you might fall flat and become deeply offensive. But then is it offensive to just completely ignore it? Um, I think the one thing that I was trying to work out throughout the film and ended up falling on the side of the film was because it's so clear from the very beginning, from the first police officer who sees him on that first road in that first scene, everyone around them is really bad at dealing with learning disabilities. Yes. Really bad. And I thought, that's, is it the characters? And it's saying something about the the state of uh, America's approach to people with learning disability, or is it the film? just trying to either wash over it or make a joke if they can get away with one. And I ended up falling on the side of the film. Well, Tom, I, all right, so I didn't want to talk about anything serious this episode, but we can. Uh, I, 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 think you, I, I think your reading of the film is appropriate. I think it's appropriate to be generous towards this film. 
Yeah. Uh, I think you I think you made you made the point that it's PTSD and not autism because PTSD is the is the actual um well it's cl- it's the, the closest to a diagnosis that you get within the content of the film. Sure. And uh the only real the only real argument for autism is that it seems to be a ripoff of Rain Man. Rain Man. However, yeah. when you but 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 that's never alluded to and uh the the movie that you brought up that I bet this was modeled on is Tommy. Mm-hmm. And in Tommy, it's PTSD. Very clearly, that's explicit in that yeah. film. Um, and the album and the stage play and all that stuff. So, and, and I think, you know, knowing very little about P- the, the effect of PTSD on, on children, my, my, my layman's understanding is this kind of thing could happen. You could experience a massive trauma as a child mm-hmm. and you could have essentially locked in syndrome, which is more or less a, a, he has a mild form of that. I don't think it also makes you a great video game player. I think those two things are. <laughs> I think those two things are. are well, you're not are, a doctor, Kenny. I'm, as I said, I'm a layman. I'm a layman. But uh, I think those two, two things are, are are best understood as coincidental. Sure. Uh, he, he he happens to be a great video gamer who also happens to be you know have have experienced an unbelievably traumatic. I event. think you you can forgive the film all of this. For exactly the same reason that you forgive the uh, the sticking out like a sore thumb absurdity moments is because, as Phil said, it's such a well-intentioned film. Despite being, you know, to all intents and purposes, a commercial for Nintendo, it's got so much heart to it. Yeah, and it because I always think, as I mentioned before, Hitchcock with the plausibilists, where do you start forgiving a film for the the gray areas and go along with the story. And in this, it's because it's so pure and the kids are so good and everyone, and it's got such a decent family feel to it that you have to just, you have to just go along with the story. It also speaks to, honestly, it speaks to the performances too. I mean, this is a solid cast of, of really good fucking actors. They're pros. And it's like, I think about those scenes between Fred Savage and Jenny Lewis. They've got legitimate great chemistry. I don't obviously mean romantically, but just like they play off of each other really well. I think that, you know, all the scenes, as we mentioned, you know, Christian Slater and, and Popper just might very well seem like they're in a different movie, but it's a nice movie. It's a movie that like when it cuts <laughs> away to them, I'm just like, sure, I like these two. This father-son story seems nice. I mean, like it's, and again, I just, I've we've said this obviously before, Kenny, on many occasions, but like, like actors just they can get you on board they can you you just buy things yeah. because it's coming out mm. of a person that you're that you're invested in F- mm. fred savage and, and jenny lewis i will go ahead and say they do have romantic chemistry <laughs> sure, um sure. i would say my 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 evidence my evidence for that is my daughter uh being terrified that they were going to kiss throughout the whole movie <laughs> terrified um, well she doesn't like kissing she was you know Fair enough. and let let's keep it that way uh, <laughs> she, she she uh she, she i have I to say the did. line the line it's not sexist it's romantic is probably one of the greatest lines ever committed to film <laughs> what was the context for that she calls him sexist. He's talking about Zelda. Oh yeah. And he yeah. says, you know, it's you're trying to uh, Zelda's trying to find a princess. You're trying to find a house. That's sexist. It's not sexist. It's romantic. And it sounds like something James Bond would say. <laughs> but also, you know, Link, imagine Link's Roger Moore, Moore saying that. Yeah, right. Uh, oh. uh, but. but <laughs> 
Wait, they, uh, I lost my train of thought on, sorry, on that Dick. one. Somehow, so Tom, sorry. you... Uh, I had no, a no, point it, to lead to Roger Moore. I, I'm sure I had a very important point. Yeah, you were talking it, about chemistry, and it was Layla doesn't like kissing. And, Layla doesn't. Uh, Layla, Layla yeah. doesn't like kissing, and uh, they do have romantic chemistry. That's, I guess, that's the, 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 <laughs> the period on this, the, the end of this sentence for now. I mean, they they do. I mean, listen, I I, I think that they do have chemistry. Um, it, it is. I mean, Jenny Lewis didn't do much acting. She kind of did a couple things. We're going to see her again in True Beverly Hills this year. Um, you know, it's a big year for her. She does a couple things. Um, and then she kind of, she goes to school and then she becomes a musician with Rilo Kiley and that's kind of it. Um, and, and, I, and I understand, obviously she's gone solo now, but I think she's a really good actor and it's kind of a shame that she didn't do more of it. I, I think that she's just, she's very watchable. She's just got a real mm. charm about her uh, in a role that is, as I said, <laughs> Seems like it's written for a thirty-year-old. She she does have this like this sort of rough and tumble street smarts thing that I buy. She's it, the, her her role is the most ridiculous role in the whole movie. What, in the whole what, movie. What is she even she's, doing there? She she just she's she just hangs out in the middle of the country and uh, takes people near her home. I, I I she's the it's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But I don't even care. It's fun. She's like oh. No, but this is about. I, what about I, I we meet I, her in a bus stop, in a bus station, oh. reading Cosmo behind sunglasses? Where's right. her family? Where's her? Where, where, what's she's going just, on? She, she's 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 just a vagabond ragamuffin, and I love that about her. <laughs> this is this is about the intent of the movie and the big heart her, of the movie, and uh, that what I was getting at, <laughs> which is hard to believe because again, this movie is about Nintendo. And the big draw of this movie for for giant nerds, Nintendo nerds, who weren't nerds, they were the coolest kids in school, was you got to see Super Mario Brothers 3. For the first time. For a movie about, right, but for a movie about Nintendo that climaxes at Universal Studios, (laughs) to have your denouement happen and your emotional climax happen and your closure happen nowhere near Nintendo, uh, in the belly of a dinosaur, where we find what his fucking rosebud is, and his rosebud is like family, and now his life is complete again because he found like a sister figure to fit back into that like sister sized hole he was missing. Yeah. What is going on here? How is this like? How how is and, and my son is crying. How is this movie more mm. profound than like any movie we've done? How is this well, possible? Can, can we all agree that if this movie was made today, it would take place inside a Nintendo and we'd be like in the fucking games, right? Yeah, like the, it'd be the, something, the, right? The proof of that is Space Jam is taking place inside of a fucking computer. In the internet. It's yeah. like the internet. So the I mean, I, the internet. it just goes to show that like when the wizard is a nuanced piece of cinema compared to what we do with it today, we might have lost the thread. This is a better film than, than Space Jam. No, this is an amazing film. And it's a comment yeah. on yeah. Uh, post-yuppie capitalist oh, yeah. America. There's no, it's no coincidence. And divorce. It's no coincidence that um, the evil stepdad, two years after Wall Street, is looks exactly like uh, an extra from Wall Street. Wall Street. And it's about, and you watch these amazing, amazing shots, the montage shots of them crossing the country, crossing the heart of America. And what does it show you? It shows you desolate farms. It shows you desolate fairgrounds with an empty Ferris wheel. It shows all of the desolate areas where they sleep. 
and America is broken. And there are two kids, who th uh, three kids, that they think they're going to find the answer in the closest thing to counterculture that they have, because counterculture doesn't exist anymore. Counterculture died as soon as Levi started pre-ripping jeans. Yeah. And there's nothing for that generation to hold on to, to create a better future. So what do they have? They have a distraction of video games. And that's what they go towards. And the film's not saying this is, video games are the answer. They're saying, yeah, sure, it's a nice little distraction for a while, but you've got to get back to who you are as an individual and your place within the family in order to find any kind of future. And I did not expect that from The Wizard. Yeah, I didn't expect any of like this this type of message. That, that was good, Tom. That was, that was fantastic. Impressive. Though. I would also say, can we I'm can we so talk drunk. about the fact that, that 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 montage you speak of is scored to send me an angel? <laughs> yeah, I love. What's it. going on with this film? I love it so much. I know, I know. Like it's you just I, it is. It's Someone, so easy yeah. to dismiss a movie like this is the problem. Like, I think that we, we, we dismiss movies all the time as it's whatever. You see the poster and you're like, I get the it. The power and, of love but, film. And, and, yeah. right. and then you watch this and you're like, this movie actually has something to say. Sorry, Ken. Well, the th are, think about it, you know, in, in contrast to Space Jam, which yeah. – in contrast to Space Jam, which has had a bit of a reclamation as a quote-unquote good movie, right? A, a movie that people like and a movie that people enjoy sure. and, and not just a, you know – an ad for Nikes or an ad right. for Warner Brothers or some kind of weird, you know, Michael Johnson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan vanity project. Right. And Space Jam is fun. And I do like Space Jam a lot. Um, sure. But, but there, Space Jam, I, I think, is beloved with a wink and a nod, right? There's an irony to loving Space Jam in 2021. Well, uh, but I'd say a younger generation than us really genuinely loves that film. Like there's a nostalgia and a genuine love for that film. I'm just okay. for what it's worth. That's fair. That that that's fair. But you know, forget them. Like there that that's <laughs> okay. That's, just... No, but no, I I I I agree. But I don't really care. I do think okay. someone people our age do like that movie. Ironically, ironically, for sure. that's one of the best uh, best things you've ever said. I I agree, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna store I say that, that all that. the time. <laughs> uh, Classic Nybart. Classic I, agree. You're, I don't care. You're, you're right, but let's forget about it. Um, so, so that, uh, so, all right. So, but the special thing. Yeah. Any reclamation of this movie, I think, would start with uh, ironic detachment, right? Yes. Like, I love, the, and I think that anybody who likes it now is like, I love The Wizard because I'm cool and I remember, you know, the Nintendo movie and, mm -hmm. and God forbid I should actually like it, you know, sincerely yeah. with my full heart. I think what this podcast, mm -hmm is trying to do right now is asking people to go back into the world of the wizard yeah. with no irony whatsoever and just let it happen. And I think you're going to find it's a pretty beautiful And go on Rotten Tomatoes and let's get that audience score. Get it up to 90. Up, from six, yeah. up to 90. Yeah. Because also another weird thing, thinking back to what we said earlier about how it's almost as if they were making it for the audience now 30 years later is when you get to bits like the power glove suddenly the soundtrack is weird uh, synth pipes mm -hmm. and yeah. the way that he's framed and the way that lucas turns to say the line i love the power glove it's so bad that's written for us now yeah. that is yeah. shot for us now yeah. and 
everything that Lucas does, Lucas, who's the character who we're going to retrospectively love with irony, is riddled with irony in the way that mm-hmm. they present him. Mm-hmm. There, there is something almost when the glove shows up. That scene when we meet Lucas and he does the the, the glove scene, it almost felt Lynchian to me. Like it, it almost, <laughs> it almost had this like this weird sort of like foreboding kind of eeriness to it. Maybe I'm projecting, but still, like, do you know what I'm no, saying? Like, I think you're right. Even when, way? even when you first meet him and he's got his. His games. This metal he says, case? And he's got 97 games. And he doesn't say, I'm, I'm the fucking best in all of them. I'm amazing. He just says, I'm good at all of them. Imagine, imagine. All right, so I, Phil, I think that's a really interesting point. Mm-hmm. Imagine being an old person, hypothetically, in 1989 and seeing this movie. It would feel like watching a David Lynch film. It was because there are all these things about the there are all these aspects of this movie that make no sense, right? No sense to a grown up. The power glove, the ninety seven game, all these things like all these things, and and they would have no concept of what is real, like the power glove, and what is absurdist, like businessmen playing in a a. Uh, bar. It would bar. all just feel like Mulholland Drive to me. <laughs> so, what you, so what you get to be in this movie because you're not an old or you wouldn't when it came out is a person who somehow is on David Lynch's wavelength totally while you watching the David language. Lynch film. Yeah. And like I, I, as I said, I've, I've, I've been you know mainlining Twin Peaks and I desperately want to understand Twin Peaks and I can't because it, there are all these things. But like if somehow like there was a way to like take a pill and yes. for it all to kind of come together, then it would be the wizard. Like, so, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I do think that there's a Lynchian quality. There is this. kind of that. Because again, yeah. as I said many times about David Lynch is David Lynch has, I, in my opinion, has no concept of what Lynchian means. Correct. He's just making movies that make sense yeah. to him. To him. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we're just, we're just trying to, to hold on for dear life. <laughs> See what the yes. fuck is going on. So, no, you know, I, I agree. Your Roger Ebert gave up. Your Roger oh, Ebert. For sure. I mean, he just assumed so this, it was stupid. He also, I mean, part of this, part of that review also feels so, um, so much like he went in with preconceived notions, right? Like he knew what this was, and this is just a fucking commercial, and blah blah blah. He didn't, he didn't really dig into it. I mean, one star is is laughable considering some of the movies that we've seen, Kenny, that he gives really favorable reviews to Mm -hmm. that you're just like wait what um i also want to talk just very quickly about just this movie is well made too but but i also think i also think if someone gave a review akin to what tom just said they'd get fired that'd be the end (laughs) 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 i can't think of a bolder take in 1989 than calling the wizard lynch a a lynchian comment on capitalism, capitalism's <laughs> destruction of America. <laughs> on the end of counterculture in America today. Oh my God. Of, yes, and and how the how how an absence of counterculture has been the vacuum has been filled by video games, but it is not the video games that are the true villain. It is the guy who aspires to be Gordon Gecko. <laughs> yeah. uh, and yet, I still not- wept at the end. And yet. Yeah. <laughs> What a film. Um, the, I was what, did you my, mean? what happens at the end? Well, the kid leaves a lunchbox in a fucking dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> sure. sure. 
And by the way, what's in the lunchbox? Some shoes. And and I I say this is shoes. shoes. I say this to someone. I say this to someone who 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 unabashedly loves the Karate Kid and everything it stands for. This film is twice the movie. The Karate Kid is. Yep. Yep. Like it's because I was thinking because I've forgotten the dinosaur, and I was thinking at the end of the uh, the the video game thing when when your man won when Jimmy wins. By the way, his name is James Woods, but your name that's true. When your man Jimmy wins, all I wanted was for Lucas was for Lucas to pull a Billy Zabka and be like, you deserve it, man. You did it. You are the wizard. But that's not what this movie's about. Not, you know how you know that that's not what this movie is about is that when we get to the tournament, it's a terribly structured tournament with no suspense where we're just the kid skips like a million fucking rungs so he really only has to do a video game once just like wait what well there's no organization from the the people running the show they just expect the kids to stay close by there's uh it's just a line of tvs with the 80s uh, (laughs) they had to blow into the start lead at the back Blow the cartridges if it froze. And then then also, Mario 3 is a game completely devoid of tension. Yeah. So how do they build tension? They just have to have... Why knights? Knights? I know, they just faked it. Yeah, I know. I know, they played for 10 minutes. As a kid, that really did bother me. Like, I mean, now I don't care. But as a kid, it did bother me because no self-respecting Nintendo guy actually cares about points. You care about no. moving winning forward, the yeah, winning yeah, yeah, yeah. the you know, winning the game. I win the game zero points of points, but yep. whatever. Who cares? The movie rules it has nothing to do with that. You know who I do think the one character that I do think gets court, sort of short shrift in this movie is the mom, who's painted oh. like a straight up villain and oh, isn't movie, even with the rest of the she's family. Not even with them at the end. This, she's, this she's movie in a is shot a little. Alone. A, it's a little anti mom. I would agree with that. She's in a shot with the bounty Jenny, hunter. Because what I also because because. The moment that really came clear to me was when you find out that Jenny Lewis also has a mom who ran off. It's, so, it's pretty anti-mom. Yes. It's very well, anti-mom. You know, mom, moms hate video games. I get it. <laughs> I mean, it, but it's, then, but then yeah. she she uh, she atoned at the it's end it's, by uh, yes, giving did. up her her son with special needs. <laughs> a- appropriately, <laughs> it's someone else's yeah, problem. Bo, Bo appropriately, so. <laughs> <laughs> she should have got up to Bo Bridges and go, you're the real dad. You really, you deserve him. You've earned him. Yeah, it's it's really not a, it, it does feel kind of anti-mom. Uh, there's something worth noting that Robert Yeoman shot this movie, who's uh, Wes Anderson's director of photography. Wow. So he's, wow. Got, he's, he's got quite the career ahead of him. Um, this movie, yeah, he's, I mean, it's well shot. It's good. That's crazy. It's beautiful. <laughs> It's, 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 it's a beautiful great. film. It's be- a beautifully made film. It, it really is. Uh, Jenny Lewis, born in Las Vegas. So, uh, you know, there's wow. that. She kind of knows Reno and, and Nevada. Um, I want to just kind of walk through. What I mean, does that mean? Is, there, of- is, that, is that something I should know about? I'm sorry? Is, there, is it relevant that she was born in Vegas? Well, so she's born in the missing? same state that Reno is in. She's bo- oh, she's my God! Seriously, Phil? Sorry. Wow! I'm just saying <laughs> that, that she it. knows what it's like to be a kid living in Nevada. So ah, it's, you know. Give the guy some grace. Oh no, 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 no. I, I, I wondered whether there was Jesus. I, I didn't know about it. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. 
Oh my god! That was just—I mean, I'm just trying yeah. to, you know, inform our yeah. audience. But it's my—it's—it's it's, it's my fault. It's my fault for coming into this podcast so hot. You I did feel like I—I feel like I—I—I I, I come in every hot podcast hot, you but do, I feel like do, this is Tom's third time, or third or fourth, third time, and and now he's just let it all hang out. Yeah, now I'm showing the real me. I hate feels, this podcast. I mean, cruel intentions feels movie. like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. Cruel intentions. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> god i can't wait to hear a rating on this oh my god uh so basically we meet jimmy at the beginning he's on a deserted highway walking by himself uh police uh pull over and 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 take him back to his uh to his parents who his stepfather and his mother are complaining about the burden of dealing with this child who has ptsd uh and keeps repeating the word california over and over again um <clears throat> Uh, Jennifer's in, death, his twin in, re- sister. in retrospect, yes. they might have been able to figure out what he was referring yeah, to. I think, yeah, I think that one time the family went to California. <laughs> Remember that time we all went there together? <laughs> um, they put Jimmy in an institution which seems extreme. Um, and Corey, played by Fred Savage, finds out about this and is determined to get Jimmy out of said institution, which he does very easily he sneaks them both into the back of a hostess wonder bread truck that just happens to be inside the institution and then they eat their way to like utah or wherever. but somehow jimmy also was able to sneak out without even right. fred savage's help it seems right. like a pretty pretty low level of security very there. very low level yeah, yeah. um the facility is pretty bleak though uh they do make it seem pretty um not fun, so I, I get it. Again, uh, it's well, an indictment on 80s America's treatment of people with learning disabilities. This is exactly like Joker. No. My uh so no. so that was pretty that was pretty uh dystopic for my children. Um the the yeah mental institution and they said, What yeah. are they doing? And I said, That's what they used to do, and, and you know, for, for kids with with uh with mental issues. And 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 they go. They just sit in a room all day and watch TV. I'm like, yeah. They're like, they almost in unison go. That sounds great. <laughs> 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 they were very into the idea of being institutionalized as long as they have 24 seven access to television. Well, so at this point, uh, the stepdad hires a bounty hunter to find Jesus. Jimmy and Corey. Um, the bounty hunter's name is Mr. Putnam. Um, we'll Who plays Mr. Mr. Putnam? Do we know? Oh, that's a very good. He question. is straight out of central casting for pederasts. He's exactly <laughs> who you would cast. He kind of looks like he belongs in a Coen Brothers movie, but let me uh, see who this who this gentleman is. Um, I don't know that he's done much else outside of this film because he's. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. He's also kind of burdened there, with... Um, there is no chance this dude hasn't done a lot. Like that guy, that guy, I bet that guy's been... I bet that guy has upwards of 100 IMDb credits. Okay, he's 25. So I have 25 credits. He's 25 credits. His name oh. is Will Seltzer. He's in Twin Peaks, <laughs> though. Kenny. Is he? Yeah, oh. he's in Twin Peaks. Mr. Brunson? Um, oh, he's in season yeah. two. I haven't gotten to him yet. Yeah. Uh he's just a you know, he's 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 a guy. He he did fine. Um, but uh so Mr. Putnam is hired. Well, uh, I want to say something about Mr. Putnam. Please, please, yeah, absolutely. Uh Mr. Putnam is a guy mm-hmm. who specializes in runaway children. Correct. He, which which uh, underscores Tom's theories about this. Well, movie. it also means <laughs> I'm going to give him I'm going to give him a little more leeway because he uh, whether or not he's a pederast would have no bearing on whether or not he's good at his job. But he's very <laughs> bad at his job. And so I assume it's I assume it's just because he's one of the worst bounty hunters in the game that's, that's why he's specializing in slow dumb children <laughs> and not, not actual he's also like 95 pounds and not actual criminals who he can actually get money for but he it's might the also he, the only time you ever see him have interaction with children it's incredibly violent the first time is, them. Yeah, yes well the yes. first time you see him this is even before he's gone through all of the uh all of the turmoil of the journey. It's sure. way back in the in the first in Reno. montage. They send me a yeah, oh, I remember yeah in the Timian Angel montage, and he sees two kids looking at the view. Now he thinks this is the same day that he was invited, or oh. the day after he was asked to do it. He sees two kids. It might be them. What does he do? He goes up and he grabs them grabs. and he turns them around. Great casting. Mad. Great, Great back casting. casting for those Excellent. kids. Yeah, very Excellent. good, very good back casting. And then uh, he yeah. he he gets aggressive with a kid playing pinball with his arm right. in a cast. So that's right. another disabled child. Then you want, you want, then he just then goes he, and outright in the middle of a casino just steals, steals a steals a child. And she has to scream, but, "He touched he, my breast." He's We've not stealing a child. I, I, I gotta <laughs> resp- I gotta I gotta give this guy a little more respect. He's not stealing a child. It is his job. Okay, he ha- occasionally he's got to rough these little fucks up. Well, I, that's I, capitalism. The, the yeah, moment that the that's mo- capitalism. Yes, that's right. That's right. Capital got a job to do. Yeah. No, that, that's that's exactly what capitalism is. Sometimes capitalism, you know, has you have to call it. You got to steal a kid to make a you buck. Pay for it. you. Got to fuck. <laughs> you got to fuck a kid up. How uh, to steal a kid to make a you, buck? Can Can you think of a more awkward <laughs> casting call than the casting call for uh, Fred Savage and Luke? What is it, Luke Edwards? That's a kid's Luke name. Edwards, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. For the for for their uh, the back doubles, <laughs> where you have all these kids come in and you are now turn around. So um so now they meet uh, Haley, a teenager on her way home to Reno, uh, at this bus stop. Uh, they discover that Jimmy has an way home way baseball. home from where. Exactly. She doesn't really get into that. Uh, but they do. They, they discover that there's this video Armageddon, which is a gaming tournament held at Universal Studios Hollywood with a grand prize of fifty thousand uh, dollars. So Putnam slashing uh, yes. Bobridge's tires. 
Hang on, hang on. Going back to when when she first yeah, yeah. Yes, meets please, him, yeah. and he's mm-hmm. uh, the the deaf, dumb, and blind kid. Short plays a mean double dragon, and <laughs> yes, she yes, yes. she um, shows them the the uh, Armageddon, the game out Armageddon advert, yeah. and her exact words are, "Do you think they put him in a home after he wins this?" <laughs> <laughs> And I just, I just wrote that quote and, and wrote iffy. It's iffy. That's an iffy line. It's an iffy me. line. That's that. Well, she, she's a child of capitalism. She gets it. As long as, you know. Haley also has off. the line uh, shortly thereafter, you've got to be very adult to live in Reno. <laughs> and then you get to Reno and the first thing they show for it being Sin City is a huge billboard uh, promoting Glen Campbell. <laughs> So then the trio hitchhike cross-country using Jimmy's skills to win bets on games. Just a couple businessmen playing video games on their lunch break at a bar. Um, (laughs) Then we talked about the Halloween mask. Send me an angel. Um, I also, uh, I liked the moment in the back of the pickup when um, there's like a Native American family and Jimmy for the first time says hi, which is like a really nice moment. Like this movie actually has a really interesting and you kind of hit it, Tom, earlier, but like a really interesting perspective on like America and like the part of America that they're in, mm-hmm. which is... And it's no coincidence that it's at that exact moment after showing the desolation of, uh, of 1980s America. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment where you see an indigenous family and the only character in the entire film who is completely guileless. Mm-hmm. It's the only time he... Uh, he smiles and says hi yeah he's jimmy's the kid jimmy jimmy's the journey and he knows that Mm -hmm. that uh these are the good guys the indigenous family are the good guys everyone else is an asshole yeah (laughs) yeah no jimmy gets it the 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 thing about jimmy that makes him a bit of a cipher is that he gets it um and then he also realizes that they want to use him for money and he's kind of okay with it. Like, <laughs> like I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not knocking it. Well, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Well, I mean, Jenny, Jenny Lewis wants 50%. Like, that's Correct. fucked up. That's some, that's some Angelo Dundee shit right there. But, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna make him a star, baby. Well, a big turning point for me with uh, Corey and um, Thingy Haley is when he's kidnapped the yep. first time when he's kidnapped or no the second time when he's kidnapped from her trailer. Yes, correct. Yeah, and second they day. see him driving off. Yeah, and more successful. First kidnapping. thing they do, yeah, the the real one, the proper one, uh, the one that's going to make him the big bucks. Uh, they don't talk with any concern about Jimmy. The first thing they discuss is whether it's worth trying to save him. Do you think he could win the tournament? If Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. That's what Corey says. I think I wrote it you know, down somewhere. I think, I think it's okay to uh, give these characters uh, the, the, the credit when they say something wise beyond their years yeah. and to <laughs> Remember, and, and, the, and to then also say, hey, but they're 13, as it suits your needs as a viewer, 
Sure. Well, I'm kind of kidding, but you know, <laughs> but it's not, it's not, it's not untrue though. Like no, I'm thinking of Hitchcock, 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 <laughs> Hitchcock. Yeah. Those are lists. Um, I want to ask a question about the power glove because we're at the point where they meet Lucas and we have the the scene we talked about. Did did any of you have a power glove or ever power play sucks. with a power yes, glove? Yes, it sucks. Yeah, it sucked, right? It was fucking every, terrible. Yeah. Every Nintendo accessory ever, with the possible exception of the gun, which was like only good for Duck Hunt, Duck sucks. Hunt. Yeah. 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 Power the, glove, the, like power glove sucked and it looked really stupid. sucked. It sucked because it became abundantly clear very early on when you had it on your hand that like there weren't any actual like receptors in the glove itself. It just had a thing on the top (laughs) that could actually like, right. So then all of a sudden you're punching stuff with your left hand, most likely, which is not your dominant hand for a good chunk of people. And you're just, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Like all of it's just very counterintuitive, but I remember it looked cool and I wanted one, but uh, yeah, I I agree. But then it doesn't, it, it looks like a prop. You've been perfectly within your rights to think some fucking prop guy realized he was meant to create something called a power glove to to which they're shooting tomorrow, but he's yeah. gone out and got shit faced uh, the night before. Yep. Quick, like get fuck. me a glove and put loads of buttons on it, and when you press the <laughs> buttons, let's have it do close encounters uh, music. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You, it's hard to believe that it actually exists, and I love that it did, even though it was terrible. It's- I yeah I agree too. Uh, I I also I haven't seen this movie in a long time, right? So I watched yeah. it in theater when I was nine, probably three hundred and fifty times on like television. But I haven't watched the movie probably since I was twelve or thirteen. In my head, Lucas was like a like a twenty year old man who looked like Paul Walker with a mullet, but like was strong and scary. I, like Lucas is a little kid. It's crazy to like go back and see these like that's. You know. Maybe more than any character I can I can remember, uh, I now feel very old looking at this person. I used to have just just massive amounts of admiration for as a badass motherfucker. Um, this is uh, the guy. Also, was, what was the diner at an airfield? That's what I was trying to work out. Yeah, it looked like it looked to me like it was an airfield, and I love that. That's where Lucas hangs out. The really, you know, the big main cool villain. He hangs out at a diner by an airfield, sometimes with with his goons, who I have to say are absolutely perfect. That's some of the best goon acting I've ever seen. They do (laughs) sit there. They have no dialogue. They just laugh when he says something. And again, it's done for us now. And I love that. And then the next time you see him... He's sitting. He's sitting with his back to the camera at the diner, just flicking through a games magazine. <laughs> he's the one who ultimately tells Bo Bridges of all people where they are, right? Or does he tell the bag? He tells the bat the bounty hunter. The bounty hunter. He, yes. Yeah. But he holds yeah. everyone. Everyone's reading game magazines, which is and they're always one page right before <laughs> video the, the ad for Video Armageddon. Like, yeah, it must be going here. Yeah. Um, Can I also say that that you know you mentioned the 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 porch that he's sitting on and his goons that Lucas has, there is a very Western kind of quality to, to, to Lucas. Like he's got this gunslinger, 
you know, kind yeah. of quality to him that that I didn't really lock into until you mentioned that, Tom, because it does feel like he fits those archetypes in a lot of ways. Um, and also one of his goons, uh, as I mentioned on Twitter, is Tobey Maguire in his first screen credits with yes. some sweet ass hair. Um, one of his best performances. One of his best performances. Um, I, I think that uh, Corey's frustration with Jimmy's PTSD or what have you that was maybe the most reminiscent of Rain Man for me when he was just like, he had a very like Tom Cruise and Rain Man and knocking over all the pop- popcorn things that he's building and being like, you're not getting better. You're not getting like just frustrated with it. I was just like, what the fuck is going on? It was just, it was a lot, but uh, that's when. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's actually worth, worthy of derision. So let's deride it a little bit. Jimmy's, Jimmy, Jimmy's, the, 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 the window into Jimmy's, brilliance is that he could do some legos he's a nine-year-old nine-year-olds nine-year-olds are capable of with legos even in 1989 your average nine-year-old you're like you're 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 That's motor skills student could do anything with legos this guy he's he's barely competent when it comes to legos and he's doing he's doing a house of popcorn boxes and this guy is supposed to have some kind of super skill whatever I don't care, but it is like <laughs> you could have tried a little harder on that one. I think I, I don't disagree. Rain this man, is when Rain is- Man they spill a fucking matchbox, and he knows how many matches there are immediately. That's a skill. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's Super also power. at this point like it's it's right up against the uh, the goons that come to beat them up. Um, from from oh the, yeah they got they got fucked up a little bit they get they get beaten up by a bunch of I mean they look like they're in their what early twenties or something yeah. <laughs> like these, they get roughed up pretty bad they knock open Jimmy's lunch pail uh, which contains photos and mementos because there's no counterculture to give them purpose <laughs> yes. it's all about they're minor lost. distractions they're lost in the uh, yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, so then the, the lunch pail gets opened. We see the mementos from Jennifer. Corey tells Haley about Jennifer's death and how it, it's a little fuzzy. They don't get into details really, but like, I guess, cause I think the line was like, she didn't even swim. She just died or something like that. Like, yeah. In uh, th- like three feet of water, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I think I blacked out during that part because I was so stunned that I had to look at my <laughs> that I had to, that yeah. I had to look at my kids as they're like, wait, wait what, what's this movie about? Were they just did she, <laughs> so, yeah, the twin sister who died? I'm like, she drowned. I, yeah, she drowned. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, guys. Like, I think my daughter goes, whoa, that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not wrong, but don't worry because we meet Spanky and Reno shortly thereafter, and everything's fine. Yeah. Um, so they, they get to Reno and I have, I've been to Vegas a couple times. Kids aren't allowed in a casino, right? Am I crazy? Like kids Lo- aren't locals allowed. Locals are allowed. If they know some, I'm kidding. They're not allowed at a casino. Okay, no, so no kids. No, that's actually not really true because you can, you have to walk to casinos to get your hotel room. So kids can right, like right, be right, right. like far away like they were. Yeah. But okay. No, so, they can't so- gamble. So Haley is probably is, is a stone's throw from the craps table that, that Spanky is playing at. And uh, she's Frank McRae, no less. Yes, Frank McRae. Yes, my apologies. Frank McRae. What a what a year for him. <laughs> License to kill, wizard, 
Oh, that's right. He's in License to Kill. I completely. That's forgot. crazy. You're that's right, incredible. dude. He's. I can't believe the way you're. You're just our Frank McRae correspondent. <laughs> He's my guy. He's my guy. The year after Battery's not included. I'm all for also also kind of a kind of a great movie. I loved that movie as a kid. Batteries not included. Mm-hmm. Um, but so so Haley's a stone's throw from the crabs table, just straight up screaming advice. Okay. And it turns out that she's some fucking oracle wizard. on the craps table. A wizard. She's the a real wizard. Because <laughs> yeah, you, you, you would have shit. to be a wizard. Forget about seeing. You have to be a wizard. <laughs> it is basically yelling. It's basically like, like the guy's like picking up from one to ten. She's like, nine. He's like, hundred dollars on nine. He's like, it's nine. Like, that's how cri- bet the pass line? <laughs> hard eight? I mean, like, <laughs> there's a Jesus, she's, that, she's a clairvoyant obviously it's kind of like the scene with Sharon Stone in Casino the first time we see her <laughs> no that she's hustling a guy I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the it's 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 like someone who's been to the future and has like yeah, five minutes of the future and has memorized the next three roles in oh, a crap book it's weird it's so they make a bunch moment. of money the kids are thrown out with moment. spanky out of the casino understandably spanky. as they should have been uh then jimmy begins training on arcade machines gotta love a good training montage as he has to learn all 94 games which spoiler will not be applicable <laughs> at the end of this movie yeah. So, so it's me. <laughs> He's learned 94 games that, that in no way affect his future. Anyway, um, so then... Also, I, I, this is a good moment because I got really, really, really excited when I realized they were calling the Tips hotline. Oh, me too. Because I'd completely yeah. forgotten that the Tips hotline even existed, but I spent so long calling them <laughs> up to, to get tips and cheap... And just games magazines with... Uh, if you want this cheap, up, up, down, down, left, yeah. right, A, B, A, B, start. And I'd completely Contra. forgotten about that. And it made me realize that what's really weird is I hate, I really, really hate uh, 80s nostalgia films or 90s nostalgia films that are made now. Um, it was my problem as Stranger Things got into later seasons and the nostalgia element uh, took more control. Phil, you probably remember me texting you in absolute rage during Wonder Woman 1984. No, that's a fair thing. Lots of rage. Lots of rage. to be rageful for it. And it's because I really, it's such a cheap, easy shot to say, hey, hey guys, you remember Pop Socks? But everything in this that makes me nostalgic about the 80s, I got really excited about. Well, you know, and what, I, don't you know get, what, I don't get why I'm not more. For, basically, this is my therapy session of why I'm not f- more forgiving about um, <laughs> nostalgia movies. Because as soon as the, he goes off on the journey, what does he do? He puts on a backpack with a bottle hanging off it. He gets a skateboard, and there's a fucking wailing guitar on the soundtrack. Great. I'm great. excited. That's so it's perfectly great. 80s. Yeah. Lucas, 80s. Yeah. Tips Helpline, 80s. And <laughs> I know love what, uh, every second of it. You know what Tony Soprano said about nostalgia. He said, What did he uh, say about Nostalgia? He said, Remember when is the lowest form of conversation. So he agrees with you very strongly. And I've always, I've, 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 that I've, I've that's one of those things that when you hear it, really like Chris, like, I, 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 are you, wait, you know, um, you don't know, you know, Jose Molina, not uh, Javier Groucho. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I know Javier as well. So Javier just tweeted something that was one of those things where you're like, yep, can't do that anymore, which was when I've written besides in a line of dialogue, I know that I've written the scene wrong and I have to start over, right? Uh, and that's one of those things where like, all right, what Tony Soprano says, remember when's the lowest form of dialogue, it's like, lowest form of conversation, it's like, yeah, all right, I guess it is. I guess you're not really learning anything or building anything. You're just kind of excavating your own past so i uh I agree ip you, is uh is so problematic it's so depressing meanwhile yeah meanwhile i'm like literally right right now writing mm-hmm. a fucking 80 set television show but you don't have to watch there you <laughs> go um i uh i i think that it's i i agree with what you're saying though that that there's something about but this movie's not trying to pull those strings like a Stranger Things is, Tom. Like it, that is trying to. Of course, that's not. weaponizing. You of know, course what I mean? not. Your, it was made nostalgia. in 1989. It's, exactly. It's, it's a exactly. Movie. It's it's yeah. why again it really really suits a modern audience. Yeah, a, 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 an audience now, present day, and yeah, it's I why agree. everyone needs to give it a higher Rotten Tomatoes. I agree. Uh, we we learned that Haley's mom has a gambling addiction uh, on the roof of uh, her trailer home we never Mom's meet Haley's awful. parents uh and, and the dad's always on like, the road <clears throat> and and it, it seems like at the end Haley's uh sort of where's the dad the what does she say what does she say about the dad <clears throat> he's not a, he's a trucker <laughs> he's got a truck oh mm-hmm. it feels like Haley's you know her backstory is not all that Haley's a, Haley's a hate backstory yeah, yeah to Tom hates Baxter. That's why I love, love Ellie. Ellie's a scamp. She <laughs> she scamps around, and she's like, uh, she's like, uh, she's like the artful dodger. She, it's again, the it's dodger. She is. Yeah, she is. yeah it's, that's a, that's a a, good. She's she is a real Dickensian character. Yeah. Uh, what did what did Layla think when Haley and Corey kissed for the first time? Did she just storm out uh, of the room, or was she okay no, with it? She, or? she did what she pulled one of those. She pulled one of those. A okay, bit, sure, you know? sure, sure. Okay, like, fair but uh, I. I think she was okay with it. I think they, I think the kiss was pretty earned. So I thought so too. Le- I um, think Layla's Layla was more disgusted by vulgar, rom- like sex, like, <laughs> like sex for the sake of sex. But when it's two people who are really in love, I think she can get on board. So gratuitous sex. If it's, if it doesn't have meaning, gratuitous sex, that's right. Yeah, okay. And I guess it's better than vulgar, but better word than vulgar. <laughs> but yes, gratuitous sex. <laughs> Tom's, Tom's reaction to vulgar sex was vulgar sex. Yeah, I don't even want to go. It was the equivalent want, of a spit take. I don't want to riff on that anymore than I pre- than we have. Um, but, uh, well, while, while we're at it, we might as well talk about this runner of Putnam uh, having touched Haley's breasts. What, like they don't they they go back to this well like three or four times, and I'm I'm not entirely clear as to why, but I think they think it's funny that this guy could be a child molester. I mean, the first time she says it, yeah, as a way of getting him thrown out, that's one thing. It's, it's, it's a choice. Again, again, it's iffy. It's another iffy moment. But that's one thing. It's coming from her in a desperate moment, accusing a grown-up of doing something that the film is saying is terrible. Yes. And so the security guards get rid of Putnam and leave the kids without asking them whether they're okay. Fine. It then becomes problematic when Putnam on the phone says, touch her breasts. She doesn't even have any breasts. That's a, that's a bit much. And then we there's a third joke. 
And then there's a third one where Spanky, of all Correct. people, says you touched her breasts. So they clearly liked it enough to think Correct. this is going to be our... That's, I think that's the last thing Spanky says before they assault him, if I'm not mistaken, right? Because they beat the shit out of him in the middle of the road. <laughs> they don't assault him. They, they, it's retribution for touching her breast. But uh, <laughs> what, the, the, I'm not the, saying he wouldn't deserve it. I, I don't. I, 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 again, this is another thing that I don't really care about, but I will make the point that um, <laughs> that will make the point that this is the, 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 the reason this is problematic. Sure. More than anything is not to me, at least the, the line touch the breast doesn't even have breasts. It's the incepting of the idea that women will use correct uh, accusations, false accusations as weapons against men. And yeah. that's the kind of thing that men internalize moving forward when it's not something that really happens in real life. So this, there was a strain of this. There was this yeah. idea of uh, children yelling child abuse mm-hmm. Uh, to get a scary adult away from them or like, you know, put me down or I'll yell, you touched me or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we see it over and over and over again in films, particularly 1989. Um, I, you know, I, I, it's, it's one of those unfortunate parts of the culture at that moment. I, 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 I think it is one of those things that I will gladly pretend didn't happen Same. and move on. But I think it so, is worth, I think it is worth noting that this is, you know, I think this is sure. a, a, an endemic thing and not something that, the 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 wizard, you know, came up with on its own. I think it's crazy that this movie literally ends at the Universal Studios theme park. I mean, it's 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 really bald. <laughs> like, well, it becomes just... it it starts off as one film, then it with, with odd moments in it, then it completely changes when they get to Reno, and then it completely changes again <laughs> once they do their commercial for. Universal yeah. Studios. Yeah. Cool. And I'm fine with it. In, <laughs> in any other film, I'd say yeah. this is a complete mess. Uh, they don't know what they're trying to create. You can tell that the first cut was nine, two and a half hours. But with this, I don't care because, yeah, I want to see, I want to see them have a chase through King Kong. I love that yeah. King Kong. Right? I, I agree. I, I thought the same thing. I, it's it's a, so they get to Universal. Uh, Spanky drives them to the tournament. Uh, they realize that Jimmy enters, becomes a finalist after playing one round of Ninja Gaiden. Um, and uh, I remember as a kid thinking that the inside of the tournament looked so cool. Like I, I, as a kid, was like, "This is fucking rad," and it basically looks like the inside of a Nintendo cartridge. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> what it looks like. It's made of similar plastic, <laughs> colored plastic, and and kind of bricky in that way. Um, I, I feel like the Nickelodeon took that aesthetic and made an entire network out of it. Correct. Uh, we correct. had a show called Games Master, and it was exactly this. It must have been a couple of years after the film came out. And all it was was video Armageddon, uh, Games right, Master. Right. So they, they played games. You play games against each other. The set looked exactly like this. The host was equally uh, terrifying. And they also had a kind of a severed head. They had yeah, a... Like Max Hedrick. Sort of, no, it wasn't Max Hedrick. It was more of a... He was the Games Master and it was a big hologram. Oh, more, more like the Wizard was, of Oz. And it was a guy called Patrick Moore, who was one of our um, preeminent uh, astrophysicists. 
at the time. And there he was in Games Masters saying, well done, well done. That was excellent playing on RC Pro-Am. What a weird country That's that you fucking have. Weird, you have more it's than weird. one that you have more than one preeminent astrophysicist. Well, it's him um, and Brian May. He's one of our preeminent as uh is that Brian May of Queen? Is that a thing? Yeah, he's an is astrophysicist. That, oh, of course, everyone knows that. Um, <laughs> can I ask a, can I ask a question? As when we get to the tournament, and I'm trying to find out who this man is. Um there there's a guy at the gate of the of the tournament who like I like that guy. Them in. Do you know what I'm talking about who that guy the is? Preliminary uh, Ninja Gaiden. No, no, not not the not the guy who's doing the tournament. The guy who gives them their tickets. It's like yeah, Lee Arenberg. Yeah, Lee Arenberg. He's doing a lot in that. He's yeah, great. He now, looks like the guy who would I, be working a Nintendo tournament. I watched. I saw that bit and I thought that is an incredible amount of ham, and I don't really like the way it's sliced. And, <laughs> but I recognize it. And I, it's not that I recognized him, it's that I recognized the level of, ha- of his performance yeah, and how it yeah. made me feel. And it took me all evening to uh, work out where it was from. And I thought, it's exact, it gave me exactly the same feeling as the guy in Pirates of the Caribbean. There was Mackenzie him, right? with his eye. And it's him. Wow. And I recognized I it knew, because yeah. of the level of discomfort that his performance gave. It's me. him and it's him and the guy from the off the original office, the BBC office, right? They're the the, the, the pair yes. in the first yes. in the first Pirates, Pirates movie. Um, yeah, there's something about him, and the kids are getting a, a laugh out of it because he's clearly like off book and doing whatever the fuck he wants, and they're just like, "What's happening?" It's it's all a lot. And kids love it. I, yeah. The reason it was in my head was because uh, a few weeks ago I watched the first Pirates mm-hmm. film with. With my son, with Rudy, yep, and it got to that pair, yeah. and Rudy just looked up at me and was like, "They're cheeky," <laughs> <laughs> and I really want that from now on to be if someone's performance is just a little bit too much, and then if it can be called cheeky, cheeky performance, there. <laughs> yeah. So at this that, point. Marjorie, but, this is when we get to the full-on chase through a tram onto the King Kong thing, but the it all looks great. Uh, it leads up to Jimmy getting that, just that, a that. hero's entrance into that fucking tournament with the whole Amazing thing comes entrance. up, Amazing which was dope. I, I do want to say, as yeah. much as I have a strong nostalgia for uh, Universal Studios, for the sure. King Kong ride, mm-hmm. um, that part is from a different, much worse movie. That part is from like a blank, like blank check. That movie, like, um, yeah, like, yeah, 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 like Big Fat Liar, like eighties movies. I don't like, or, and yeah, yeah. Uh, or nineties, but I hear you, yeah, yes, nineties movies. It is, and it does have more of a nineties vibe. Yeah. That part, yeah. obviously, I love the gaming part, but just the chase, and I think you know that where where I whereas I I don't feel like this was a proper ad for Nintendo in the best mm-hmm. possible ways. I do think that did feel like a proper ad for Universal in the worst possible 100%. ways. So well, the, the, just the way it's shot is completely different once they get yeah. there. Yeah. And the soundtrack changes. There's none of the um, the nuanced uh, soundtrack from before. Now it's just these guys are here. Everyone can be a hero in Hollywood type uh, music. Yeah, it gets like weirdly slick. It, it it just it, it gets to a place where it feels you know we've said it but it feels very commercial. It doesn't it it there it 
But then when they do get backstage, backstage, and they're like hiding and they go in that elevator thing, like I didn't mind that part of oh, it. That was, that was great. <clears throat> but um, so then Jimmy gets quite the entrance. Uh, he wins the whole thing. Um, everything's great. And then they go to the dinosaurs and uh, we uh, we leave the lunch pail and, and the family happily rides into the sunset. Haley's apparently part of the family now. She has no parents to speak of that, that we that we need to alert to her uh whereabouts or anything like that um and nope. uh, can, can, can i go back to the tournament and just please, ask you please, one, please. one yeah. thing yeah do you think it is intentional that lucas's number on his back is 169 and then at one point they shout out that he has 69,000 points are they just trying to get 69 lols around lucas it has to be intentional. It seems that way. It I think way. so. I think so. I think that that's Lucas the kind of thing. That's the kind of sense of real funny guys would do. Um, <laughs> I will. <laughs> I, I will say that uh, I, I don't know the origin of sixty nine. Like when who 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 was the first one to, to come up with the, the you know the idea that the, the number sixty nine. Well, no, I think the position's probably been around for thousands of years. But calling like Kama it, Sutra stuff. Call yeah. yes, uh, uh, undoubtedly that position has been around since the dawn of man but starting but saying this these 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 two numerals next to Not each other also way. looks like it but they do mention it in um in bill and ted's they so do. i know it was i know it was in the culture oh, in, yeah yeah because they because it's what they the number that they're thinking of is well, 69 and then they high five 89 because we did it we did so it was it was in and around the culture and now and because i know that to be a true fact tom i do think that they did that yes can I can I ask a question? We, a we completely have, we, different film again. Throwing in just trying to get sixty nine rolls, mm-hmm. just at random because they're sticking it on on a twelve year old kid's back. Yes. Can we we have we have not talked at all about the third contestant, the third finalist, the girl who? What are our thoughts about the third contestant? There's no there, there's no chance that girl had a shot. Yeah, uh, even to get to the finals. Look at her. <laughs> <laughs> girls that, that 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 girl's that girl's reading little house on the prairie come on yeah she's got a very um what's the character that from superstar the movie that we did the other 99 movie what's her mary name Catherine gallagher? Uh, mary gallagher yeah she's got kind of that vibe yeah. to her a little bit a little bit it's it's a it's i don't know I, it's clear that they were just like i don't remember Most her name games too they're just like we need someone that's like funny looking and kind of looks like maybe they'd play video games and it'd be nice if it was a girl <laughs> it feels like that's kind of the the whole vibe um it's such I, an odd choice to have her <laughs> in just the generic she's the unpopular girl and then to have her really struggle and be sweaty <laughs> and she's not enjoy sweaty. herself she's, she's perspiring boring. more than anybody well, not more than the host, but oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> that dude, that dude hosts this like he's hosting the Running Man. He does. Oh, he, I was I like, is it. this guy and gonna have an aneurysm? Like he's yeah. just really no. fucking in it. He said, "What was the line?" Uh, now introducing Mario, he says something like, "Now I'm really gonna brain you out," <laughs> which is the most brilliantly eighties <laughs> line. <laughs> I don't know what it means. Oh, it's great! It's great. Mario. Um, so before I we call him this, Mario too, and my kid's like, it's Mario, Dad. Is it Mario? I don't know. 
I it's not Mario. Mario. Yeah, I know you're right. It's Mar- Mar- oh. Mario Kart, Mario. right? It's Mario. 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 So before we rate this, Tom, I wanted to just talk video games for a second because is there a video game movie, a movie based on a video game that you love? Because it does feel like, and we talked a little bit about this on our entrapment episode, because why wouldn't we? Um, <laughs> uh, because we talked about Pokemon in that episode. But we talked a little bit about this real dearth of any video game adaption, adaptation working. Because it doesn't, no, I we don't land think, on any, Kenny, that we're good? I don't yeah, think we're... straight from games. Like Wreck-It Ralph is a right. really nice She's Brilliant. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. That's taking elements of lots of other games rather than being a straight i can't think off the top of my head because like street fighter is bad super mario brothers bad mortal well, kombat so, so mortal kombat is uh, a lot of people's choice yes um Do, have, you, have you seen the new one no, no i mean i'm 39 year old man come on uh but- <laughs> come on. you're writers you have a film podcast yeah you no we have yeah. you need to keep, keep your finger on the pulse you are gushing over the wizard come on man <laughs> Uh, I, uh, 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 so I do think that there's a a segment of people I respect who think the Resident Evil series is good. Correct. Correct. There are people that, um, and I, uh, they they passed me by, which might come as a surprise. (laughs) And then I do think that, uh, at least I think Sonic, uh, is a successful movie. If not, I enjoyed, I, I, uh, my son wanted me to watch that with him and he, I think enjoyed it. There was a little bit too much chitter chatter, he said. Uh, Ch- chitty chatter? Chitter chatter. Oh, chitter chatter. Okay, Where's right. that word, Phil? Uh, but I think, especially <laughs> Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey in that film is excellent. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at a list Thanks. right now on Rotten Tomatoes of the list of best, uh, or at least the ranking of best video game movies. They say number one is the Angry Birds movie 2. <laughs> Uh, That's got 73% from critics. I, I, I've heard that people like that. I saw it in the theaters. It's one of the worst experiences you can have. Go ahead. Uh, Tomb Raider. Were we fans of, Tomb, of any of the Tomb Raider films? No. I, can't, I, I mean, Rampage, Final Fantasy. Rampage. Rampage. <laughs> I really enjoyed Rampage. Rampage is, Rampage is barely a video game. And very easy, easily adaptable to to uh, to what they they wound up. With. And again, like you said at the beginning, you get an actor who sells things, and there's nothing The Rock can't right. sell. Yeah, I'm on board. I hear that. I I mean, I remember uh, Silent Hill actually being a relatively effective horror movie. Again, I saw it like many many years ago, um, but you know, I thought it was kind of cool. Doom. I mean, again, what we're learning here very quickly, and we have actually one, Kenny, that we need to do for 1999, which is Wing Commander. We still haven't uh, done that one for 99. So there's that to look forward to. But it it does feel like, for whatever reason, just doesn't really work. Halo is going to be a TV series on Paramount Plus, I think, now, or Mm -hmm. Showtime. But but it's just... It's just an odd thing when you think about how gigantic that industry is. When you think about how much love and passion and and just fandom that's there, and to not be able to turn that especially into a with history. with computer games now, which are entirely about story, yep. it's about telling a story in a different way. How can that not translate to yep. film? How the can only, you? The, the only answer I have is that the best people aren't doing it. Because there's absolutely no reason why these characters should be translatable to films. No reason. There's no reason. Yeah. Like, making a good Lara Croft movie 
uh, is not hard at all. I mean, I'm saying it's it's as hard as any other movie, right? It's as hard as making yeah. a good any other movie. Like Laura Croft, it's a, it's a female Indiana female Indiana Assassin's Jones. Creed, Assassin's Go. Creed as well. How can you? Oh, that movie's crazy. That movie be, makes no sense. And some of these movies, some of these series, like Final Fantasy, have really intricate um, intricate mythologies that Correct. you can play out through a bunch of movies that could be a lot of yep. fun. So I, I just have to think that like the top, top people aren't giving it a shot because it can't be that. Yeah. Hard. And you want to know what else? I think that uh, I think Nintendo at least is very cagey about their properties because there are tons of Nintendo properties that are, have not been adapted. And I think it's crazy that there's no Zelda movie. Like how yeah. is that possible? Mm-hmm. It must be in the next 10 years, we'll start to get good uh, uh, video game films because everyone knows how much money the industry makes. But now also the directors who had been given a shot aren't really the video game generation, right? Or not even the directors, but the people making them. Uh, The people making the decisions aren't old classic gamers. Mm -hmm. Whereas in 10 years' time, you're going to have the kids who were brought up on, with video games being uh, a welcome part of the mainstream. And so maybe oh, right. then we'll start getting... I think there it's also... Never, there was never a good Marvel movie before this run, in my opinion. Um, and I do think that you, what you're talking about, Tom... Uh, never a good one, movie. Marvel movie. Right. Before, before, the, this, M- yeah. before the MCU. Yeah. Uh, and I would include the Spider-Man movies, which I think are pretty bad. But okay, I mean they're okay. But I think what you're talking about is 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 this ha- this exact thing happening where real members of the cult made these movies, you know, starting with you know Feige and, and going down. Um, yeah. I think that could happen with video games too. I, I think there's also a little bit of the you know when they announced they were going to do a Lego movie, I was like, I don't this we shouldn't do this. This seems like a bad idea. And then you've got Lord and Miller and they do something with it. That's just so meta and so smart and so brilliant. And then it's like, I remember reading, this was years ago now, but that Rob McElhaney, uh, you know, of mythic quest and it's always sunny was going to do a Minecraft movie. He was supposed to do one of those. Um, I don't know if that's still in development. I don't know if that's still happening. But again, that's a guy that I kind of think like he's going to think outside the box. He's going to conceivably do something with it that could be interesting. I just, it needs, we need to get in, crawl inside this thing and deconstruct it and not just barf up the same story on a TV screen. A Minecraft movie made by someone who knows Minecraft would hit me the way the wizard probably hit adults. Sure, in sure. that I watch my son play <laughs> Minecraft and it is like you are in a different, much fucking worse universe. But they think it's the greatest fucking thing in the world. Yeah. Apparently, at my son's school, they're, they're six in his class and they're running around the playground pretending they're characters from Minecraft. None of them have played Minecraft on oh my the computer. God. But it's now that much part of the psyche. They teach Minecraft in some schools. It's like what? It's uh, <laughs> they teach Minecraft in some schools. It's like Tom. I, it, there is a. It, it, it's it's. Phil, I don't even understand. You, you need to. You need to get back to Canada, Phil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that uh, true? Yeah, it apparently, one hundred percent true. Wow. Apparently, I, I, um, it's just that—that's just made me really sad. <laughs> 
so uh, let's rate this. Let's rate this movie. Um, I saw this film in 1989, or certainly around there. I don't know if I saw it in the theater, but I might have. I don't really remember. Um, loved it. Thought it was perfect. Uh, you know, didn't really think uh, particularly uh, critically of it. Um, it. Kenny just sent us a link to loved uh, it. Thought it was perfect. Um, remote learning about uh, Minecraft. Uh, I probably would have said it was like, I don't know, probably would have given it like an 85 or an 86. Like just thought it was, just loved it. Um, before this podcast, uh, I went down a little bit um, because I thought it was good. I quite enjoyed it. I, as, well, you went as down from of, 85. I mean, that's that. You, should, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't feel too bad about it. I don't feel too bad. I'm still at an 80. <laughs> like I still think it's an error. I mean, I still think it's you a pretty solid You were an 80 movie. before this podcast? Yes. Yes. Wow. But... Yeah. I've gone down a little bit based on this conversation. All right. We 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 live we live in different universes. Okay, I had the Fine, exact opposite. I the I don't know where are you right now, Phil? Because what's your number? I'm at like I'm at like a seventy nine. Okay, I uh, I can I just say that is the most Phil thing in the world that he says this this chat has just made it it go down in my estimations. By one percent, I'm very specific <laughs> about my numbers. As you should, as you should be. You should be. I, I, that's 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 the the most relatable thing you've ever said. But uh, I I feel the exact opposite. I had the exact opposite like life experience okay. because I said this to you before I watched the you movie, did. which was essentially uh, I remember seeing this film a bunch of times and not even thinking it was that good as a kid. Like right. thinking it didn't deliver what I wanted as a kid, I wouldn't put it higher than a 65. So I'm going to put it okay. at a 65 when I was a kid in 1989. Okay. Before this podcast, I really <clears throat> loved it and I gave it a 75, which I thought was really high. And then after this conversation, I, I, I'm going to go up to like an 83. Okay. Like, okay. But my 83 is like, a, like, that's a stupidly high number for this movie. And I want that to. I want that to be on the box for the thirty-year, thirty-five-year re-release. Is a, a stupidly good movie, yeah. considering it's a movie about Nintendo. Uh, dash Kenny and I have our podcast like a nineteen eighty-nine Patreon. Uh, but you, uh, you did an amazing job uh, talking this film up, Tom. So what's your? Yeah, your where are you rating? at, Tom? I like I said, I saw this film in probably ninety-one. And I haven't seen it since then, up until last night. Mm-hmm. So in my head, from before, all I had was Power Glove, Dinosaurs, and the feel. I always had the, the kind of hazy, almost sepia, golden hour look that it had. Mm-hmm. And that, in my mind, is perfection. And in my yeah. mind, before, it was, I can't fault it. So that, for those three moments, 100%. There was wow. nothing in my head Just that perfect. I, because that's all I had. I had Power Glove, Jenny sure, Lewis sure. being amazing, and sepia dinosaurs. Sure. Then watching it again, it's not a hundred percent, but it's high. It's it really, really, really surprised me how much I enjoyed this film, and I'm going to give it uh, a Philoscope seventy nine. Or maybe an 80 from watching it. And after this conversation, uh, I feel vindicated. So I'm going to go up to an 85. 
I, I mean, this, this I we're all this in the film. same. I loved this film so much. We are in the same general yeah. general neighborhood, and I almost feel like the our scores do not reflect yeah. how much we want people to give this film a shot. I, I want to say it really, that, because it really surprised yeah. me. Sorry, Phil. Sorry. No, no, please. I, it really it surprised, surprised me too. How, how I did expect to approach it and it to be one of those asshole films that Kenny mentioned earlier, where it's purely 80s nostalgia. Oh my God, fucking power glove, mate. But it, I didn't have that for a single second yeah. through the film. I, I have to say, and, and I think to, I agree with Kenny, that our scores don't necessarily convey this, but like the joy that this film brought me, like this, it has no business being as good as it is. No, I agree. think I should go higher because I think I might, I might go higher. Because I'm, thinking I'm now about thinking it. I'm going to push 90, to be honest. I, well, <laughs> I'm thinking about it in terms of the other film that, that I feel falls into this, well a little bit and that's weekend at bernie's which we watched recently and we both loved but i do feel like we were laughing at weekend bernie's a little weekend at bernie's a little bit where i i don't like weekend at bernie's is absolutely a wonderful viewing experience please go watch it you won't you won't regret it but you certainly won't walk away saying well this is really an interesting commentary on america's you know uh the, the way america the, the way america approaches mental illness you know among the youth and the way capitalism has been stripping you know our our underclass of their you know countercultural touchstones so which i think tom said and i think it's valid the crazier part is that it's valid uh, and the movie, yeah, but that's the, what's insane. But the but so it's undergirded by that. Yeah. But you know the the surface level is so wonderful too. And like we didn't really talk even that much about Fred Savage, who is boy, is that a leading man's performance right there too? Joyful, that, joyful. He's so amazing, charismatic. He's a little Michael J. Fox. I mean that in the best possible way. Yep. And uh, I, I think I do have to go a little higher. I'm going to go up to an 88. That really is some rarefied air. Wow. Uh, I can't believe it, but I, 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 again, I do want this to, I do want this to convey. You will be shocked by how much you like this film. I, I'm, I'm going to go up as well. I'm going to go up to an 82. I feel You're like right. I need to, yes. I need to get into the 80s with this. Uh, you know, it's, I, I really do think that part of it or my original grade probably comes down to a little bit of shame of being like, of why did this movie make me cry as much as it did? And why did I care as much as I did? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good movie, guys. Let's get that Rotten Tomato score up. Yeah, I was questioning whether, because I, I'm not ashamed to say I wept at the end. And I was wondering whether it's because I'm halfway through two-week quarantine in Toronto, 3,000 miles away from my son. <laughs> who I'm not going to see for weeks. But then I realized, no, fuck him. It's because of Fred Savage. Well, I, I just want to... You, Tom uh, texted me after watching this film yesterday, and uh, his text was, oh, God, I wept. I don't even care. Okay. And I think that's fair. Completely. I, it's, my it's, son it's, it's a really was surprisingly powerful. I love that your son cried at it. He, I love again, that. Again, he, he is a tough kid who, you know, insists upon watching R-rated movies. His name is Rollins, and he says, you know, R rated R means rated R for Rollins. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he, it was, we turned around and the kid's welling up. We couldn't believe it. 
Now, I mean, of course, he, you know, he's, a, he's a sensitive soul, but like... He's a softie like his dad. And my, 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 my daughter... I am. I'm a sensitive I soul. Know. But my, my daughter gave him a hug, and it was a great family moment. So It's great. Yeah, it's, it's a shame funny. that a twin had to die. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> it really made them appreciate what they've got. Yeah. <laughs> then, he went, then he went right back to Fortnite. Now, are you are you anticipating? Go on. Go ahead. Go get Are you anticipating any other film from 1989 that, in your conversation, you'll reference uh, Lynch, Hick, Hitchcock, and westerns of the the John Ford ilk? Let me let me and look at Dickens. the list. Me, I don't know, man. That. I don't think so. Did you email me that list, Phil, or did you? Yeah, uh... I, I can. I'll send it to you right now. But um, it's uh, it's. I don't know that we have an 89 um, uh, <laughs> movie that fits that build on. So now, if, if you're looking at your list, you said there was an initial list of 25 movies from 1989, and this wasn't one of them. And this was one of the expansion films. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I just sent the list to you, Kenny. Where would it um, be now? Was oh, it, I mean, this movie would oh, definitely... This would I it, feel you, like... Would it make I our this, top twenty-five? Uh, I don't know if it. I don't know if it make my top twenty-five. Look, Tom, we there. This movie's this year's incredible. Like yeah. this year's this year's mind-boggling. That's why we. That's why we did it. But uh, no, Tom was on the, the original list. Oh no, I the list is long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a it's I mean you, you have to remember Tom that like from the you know this is a year where you've got Batman Dead Poets Society say yes. anything do the right thing the abyss I mean drugstore cowboy uh, sex lies and videotape when Harry met Sally last crusade like it's just it's, it's a shocking Jeez. year yeah so it's it's the, tough to it's tough to say like you know but to your point Tom uh, the closest would be Bill and Ted's would in, in, Bill and Ted's. <laughs> Yeah, I think that Bill and Ted's is the only movie that that that's like this. But the thing about Bill and Ted's is, but Bill and Ted's is is overtly trying to get you. You know, you go in you go in there thinking it's going to be a dumb stoner movie, and it's overtly trying to get you to think about you know more nuanced, subtle inspirations and and ideas about you know fate and history and and all that stuff. Uh, this movie is subtle. This movie is real. This movie is really, really washes over you. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. I could have talked about it for another two hours. I can't thank you enough, Tom, for coming back on to talk about, uh, to talk about the wizard with us. Um, (laughs) it's been been such joy. It's a, it's a joyful movie. I just I, I it it tapped into something that I I didn't know uh, I didn't know I was missing. <laughs> I well, Phil, I, I, I knew Hello, you were missing it. That's fair. <laughs> um, uh, I have to go watch Pushing Tin now, uh, which we're doing uh, tomorrow. You ever see Pushing Tin, Tom? You ever see I've that seen movie? Pushing Tin. What are your thoughts on Pushing Tin? Just out of curiosity. Fine film. Oh, actually, I, I also said to you yesterday that uh, earlier in the evening, I watched the most recent episode, which is the penultimate episode of Mayor of Easttown. And I made a joke to you that it's a perfect double bill. It is. <laughs> it's they're a saying, perfect chaser. They're saying, they're saying very, very similar things. Certainly about America. Exactly. Yeah. Um, All right. I All right, Tom. Thank you so much. Town, but I look forward to it. Phil, enjoy Pushington if you can.
Oh, little little preview into Kenny's thoughts on Pushington. Just a little uh, a little window into. Uh, I'll, I'll give you my I'll give you my little window into Pushington. Pushington would have been an amazing movie if it was made in 1989. In that, in Ooh, 1989, they would have known what to do with this premise. And in 1999, yeah. uh, some really bad impulses took over. Oh, I don't. I don't. Became a very that. weird. Became a very. It's not a weird movie. I think it's it's just a, a lot of choices that I don't agree with. I'm I'm very curious to watch it again. I haven't seen it since '99. Just excited to talk about that cast, and maybe we should do our top five tape, uh, Cape Blanchett's, Kenny. I don't know if that's something you're interested in doing, but uh, top five Cape Blanchett's. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm in. All right, Tom. Thank you again. Thank you, guys. <laughs> talk to you soon, man. Bye, Tom. Always Bye. good to see you. See you. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks, Phil. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's nineteen. Baby fish mouth. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.